0: Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. This is another special Wednesday morning episode brought to you by our sponsors, Jeremy Clevenger Fitness and the Sasquatch Flag Company. Both of these sponsors help me bring these shows to you each and every week, so I encourage you to click on the links below and check them out. I have another great show lined up for you today, but before we get started, I just want to remind you to check out the leadership books I've written on either Amazon or my website, johnsrenny.com. This year, I'm offering a new way to purchase all of my books for a discount. I've bundled the books into what I call the Qualified Watchstander series, and you get all three books for 15% off the individual prices. This offer is only available on my website. So check it out if you're looking to step up your leadership game in 2023. Also, I wanted to remind you that Deep Leadership is now ranked as a top 100 management podcast in the U.S. I wanted to thank each and every one of you for listening in each week and sharing these episodes with your friends. You have helped this podcast grow into a top-performing show, so thank you very much. Well, that is it. Today, we're going to be talking about mastering change, and I am honored to have Dr. Ichak Adizis as my guest. Dr. Adizis has written 28 books that have been translated into 36 languages, and he is the leading expert in organizational transformation, and he joins us today to talk about how we can master change as leaders. So, are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Ichak Adizis. For more than 40 years, Dr. Adizis has developed and tested and documented the proprietary methodology that bears his name. The Adizis Methodology for Organizational Transformation provides tools for organizations to achieve exceptional results and manage accelerated change without destructive conflict. His books have been translated and read all over the world, and I'm honored to have him on the show to talk about how we as leaders can master the art of change management. So, Dr. Deezus, welcome to the show. Thank you, John. Thank you for
1: inviting me. I'm really flattered and excited.
0: I'm honored to meet you, sir, and have you on the show. And, and there's so much we could talk about, but I thought we would hone in on uh, the idea of change management and, uh, and, and really... Uh, you've got a, you've got a book you wrote in 1992 and, uh, it's still popular today. And you recently re-released it. It's called Mastering Change, uh, Rapid Change Without Destructive Conflict. So the first question for you is why, uh, did you want to reissue this book out for a new, like, uh, if you will, a new group of, of audience and readers?
1: Because I realized that I'm not a consultant anymore. (laughs) There was a change in how I view myself. When I wrote Mastering Change, I wrote it as a consultant, and then I had a change in my perceptions of what the hell do I do. See, consultants are like allopathic medical doctors. They know more than the patient. You go to the doctor, he checks you, he decides what the hell you have as a disease, and he gives you a prescription. Same thing with a consultant. Supposedly they know more than you do, especially if they went to Harvard, and then they look at your problems, and they because they know better than you do, they give you a prescription which is called a consulting report. Many years ago, I didn't realize what I was doing, so that's why it took me time to realize what I was doing, and I had to reissue the book. I started as a consulting because I was a professor at Columbia, at UCLA, at Stanford. And people ask me to consult. And I will go, analyze the problem, use my expertise as a professor of management, write a report, submit it, collect my fees, and very little happened. Mm-hmm. It really got me upset. So what the hell is going on here? What I mean, I must be a fake what kind of a professor I am. I give good advice. They say yes. And then when uh, it doesn't happen or it happens, I recommended a racing horse and they implemented the camel. I mean, what the hell is going on here? And I was really depressed. I was really saying, something is wrong with me. I'm a fake, I'm teaching something which I don't know what they're teaching about. And then I met the McCann McKinsey guy and he laughed in my face and he says, welcome to the club, mm. we have problems of implementation. That's why the consulting industry, many of them burn out after a few years because they just write reports, write reports, but don't see the results themselves. The consulting companies today is that try to change to go into implementation, but they don't have the methodology yet. Mm-hmm. So about 50 years ago, not 40 years ago, I have, I gave up my professorship at UCLA, a visiting professor, as I said, and many other universities. I gave up my academic career and jumped into the real world to see how do you implement change? Mm. Not how do you decide about what to change, but how do you actually make it happen? Mm. Because at that time, 50 years ago, I looked at the library, and I could not find one book about implementation. I looked at the MBA program, which I think is still true today, 50 years later, and they have all courses about decision-making. What you should decide in marketing, what you decided, finance, but, but there is no one course how to implement it. And then I realized that the secret of success is not in the decision, it's in the implementation. Mm. I tend to have an okay strategy that you implement that have a very sophisticated, incredible strategy that you don't implement or implement badly. So I dedicated my 50 years of my life trying to find out how to implement change, called managing change, rapidly and without distracting conflict. You can do it rapidly, but it creates a tremendous amount of conflict. Or you can do it without conflict, slowly or not politically correct. But by that time, uh, the market has changed and uh, what the hell are you implementing now? Mm -hmm. Outdated something. So the trick, the complication, the challenge was how to have rapid change without destructive coping. And I plunged into the real world, and then I realized consulting is not the right approach. What is the right approach is really organizational therapy. And what is the difference? In therapy, the therapist does not tell you what to do, does not claim that he knows more than you do. A therapist asks you questions so that at the end of the session or the program or the program, whatever it is, the therapy, you come to your own conclusions and you take your own responsibility to implement your own conclusions. Mm-hmm. And I said, that is what companies need. Companies do not need somebody to tell them what to do because then there's all kinds of political problems. I don't agree with him, yes, agree with him. And oh, God the difficulties of implementation or what consultants call people that resist change, that are against change and they undermine change. It becomes a bloodbath. I said, I know they need to do is develop a methodology where I'm reversing the chairs at the table. Instead of the client, they have the questions. I have the answers. I have the questions. They have to come up with the answer. Mm. End of the process. They say, Dr. Jesus, we know what to do. Get out of the way. You're bothering us and you take away our time. We don't have time for you anymore.
0: In other words, I'm proud of every client I lose. Interesting. You know, it's it's interesting you say that because when I started as my first plant, I was 32 years old and I thought I had to have all the answers as because I was the new plant manager. And what I learned over the course of that three years of my first plant was I learned that I had to have the right questions and I had to be willing to shut up and listen and because and of the expertise, the experience was in the team already. And my job was to just flesh out those ideas and sort of decide on which ones made more sense to implement. And, and I learned that trick early on. But the
1: trick here is not so simple because defining the right questions and the right with, and how to ask them correctly. Mm. So that the other person does not feel like you're interrogating or that the other person does not feel like what the hell am I paying you for, you know, I'm coming with my own decisions, how to show that you're really adding value, it's not so simple. Mm. And as I talk with 50 years, as a matter of fact, I'll tell you, we're still developing. We're still developing, continuously improving. That's why I have 28 books in 36 mm. languages and hopefully, and I'm telling you, none of them is finished yet. I'm uh-huh. constantly improving. We have a whole Video program, hundreds of hours that people can watch videos by subscription. They can watch as much as they want, for as long as they want, you know, pay sixty-five dollars a month, and they can watch the videos and they're constantly adding videos. We are it's like medicine. You're constantly learning new ways and faster ways. You see, in nineteen eighty-two, it took me three years to turn Bank of America around. Three years. They were losing market share. They were really not in a good shape. And they invited me, how do we turn the company around? So it took me three years. Just four years ago, I turned the largest bank you can imagine with $15 billion in profits Mm. and 250,000 employees in one year. What happened? We learned how to make it fast, like in medicine. You learn, you learn, you learn. We are constantly learning. And I have an institute in ten countries in the world and we are constantly learning cross cross cultural. How do you do it in this culture? How do you do it in that culture? Ah, what works in this culture, maybe we can put it in this culture and go faster. So we are learning all kind of tricks and pro it's not tricks really. Protocols. How to do it right. Who to invite to the room, for instance. With whom do you work? If you work only with the CEO, it's not good enough. He's going to come with an idea, those under him that had to implement it, they're going to say, yes, but, yes, but, yes, but, and now we are not going to be rapid. So it really has to be participative, integrated process. So that's what I try to tell you. I discovered that I'm really into organizational therapy and not into consulting. That's why I had to rewrite the book.
0: Interesting. You know, one of the things I noticed with change is there's a human nature to uh, resist change and to cling to the status quo. How does your methodology address this, this thing we have in human nature to embrace what we know and fear what we don't know? That seems to be one of the biggest challenges with change. John, the truth of the matter is some people need
1: a small heart attack to change their lifestyle. Yes. Or the big heart attack. A small one, you know. It doesn't have to be heart attack. It has to be something that says, oh, I better change. Mm. So the first step in our methodology is to just give a lecture. How do you change? What are the characteristics of change? Uh, To predict changes up front because there's a life cycle of the organization. It's predictable. Like in raising children, you know, terrible tools that went to run all over the place. And when they're teenagers, you hate them for a while. I mean, predictable. Organizations have a life cycle, too. So we give a lecture about the life cycle organization. General. And I have a book, as I told you, 36 Languages. Also, that book gave me 21 honorary doctorates. That's how important it is. And uh, which problems are normal in a company? Which problems are abnormal in a company? I don't talk about the company, theory. What usually happens after that, lecture three hours to top management, has to be top management. They usually say, where are we in the life cycle? Mm. In happens now, tell us what's normal, what's abnormal. Say, okay, tell me your problems. And they tell me the problems. In a very controlled environment, so there are no accusations, no name name, name calling. Tell me what needs to be improved, not who is guilty, no no witch hunt. There's a methodology, very, very strict protocol, protocol, protocol. so there is no finger pointing and attacks, very calm, very respectful, very civilized. At the end of these three hours, it doesn't take more than that. They say, oh my God, you're absolutely, you know what, we need to change. I didn't say that, they said that. Mm. We changed some things. Because I asked them a question, which I did with Bank of America 40 years ago. Say, how many of the problems you have in your, by the way, they write it on a piece of paper. I don't even know what they write. Say, write down all the problems you have in the company that need to be solved. No names. And they must be controllable by you in the room, top management. Don't tell me it's raining outside. Tell me we don't have an umbrella because you don't control the, uh, the rain. Controllable by you in the room. And don't. Share what you're writing, so be honest. If I don't share it I know this is what I write, they write the real problems. No names, no names. Then you ask them, how many of the problems you have you had last year? Most. How many of the problems you had two years? Most. How I many three years ago? Quite a lot of them. So how many of these problems are you going to have three years from now? What what, what changes? And let me tell you, if you don't change, solve them, there are going to be more of them. Usually there is silence in the room. It's <laughs> yes. called the "oh shit experience. Yes, slowly. Then I asked him, okay, guys, how many of the problems do you have on that piece of paper which I don't know what you have written? I have no idea what you have written. How many of these problems can any individual in the company solve? Just give them the problems and solve it. You have a president here, Mr. President, you're sitting president of the company. You're responsible. We give you all the problems, solve them. He cannot. Now he tell them, I set you up. I set you up. Because I told you that to be controllable by you in the room has to be. Not, you know, un. Unpredictable interest rates. That's not your problem. Our problem is we don't have a strategy to deal with unpredictable solar. What's your problem? Not with the problem of the world. But I set you up. It has to be controlled by the rule. Which means, if I have a magic pill and you all agree what to do, how many of these problems can be solved? Or by definition, because I set you up. So what is the problem? Not what you have written. You... Mm. You cannot decide what to do in what sequence. This guy says that's the problem. No, that's the problem. No, that's the problem. Let's do this. No, let's do that. And when you do it in a sequence, they don't necessarily cooperate. So you cannot solve the problem. You're stuck. Mm. Don't know in what sequence to attack the problems and how to work together to solve the problem, which means instead of one manager chasing 10 problems, which is typical, we should have 10 managers chasing one problem at a time in the right sequence mm, and I promise you, which is true, 50 years of experience, if you follow the protocol I'm going to teach you I promise you or don't pay 40% of the problems you have on that piece of paper will be solved by next year minimal wow. how much is it worth 40 in the second year 100 for sure in the third year Maybe faster. Depends on how much you cooperate. But let me tell you something. I'm not going to write a report. I'm not going to tell you how to solve it. Who is going to solve it? Who is going to solve it? They have a team. You guys. Yeah. My job is to give you tools. Tested tools all over the world that you can use to solve your problems rapidly without conflict. How do you like that? Say, we are ready, let's go. That's how we do it. Mm. You know, not tell them
0: you have to change. They beg me to help them change. There's a difference. One of the things, if you look at, like, John Cotter's work, he talks about a sense of urgency. You have to create this sense of urgency such that uh, the the status quo is dangerous and you have to go towards a future state. So he, mm-hmm. he you know... Right. It, and, and, and sure so, said, it, If yeah. you don't see the problems with that piece of paper,
1: What's going to happen three years from now? Kissinger said, "A problem that's not solved is a crisis in making." So look at them and tell you what's going to happen three years from now. It's yeah, a crisis in making. He said, so "What? What to do about it?" Well, I will tell you what. And then I said, "If you get together, we can solve it. You can save it. But there's no problem there that cannot be solved. All we need to do is to learn how to work together to solve the problem. And we have the tools. We have the protocols." But there's a difference. You have to dedicate two days a month for it. Mm-hmm. Which is not consulting. Consulting hire the consultant. They continue working. The consultant does his work, so it's a report. I'm going to charge you the most expensive asset you have. Time. Mm-hmm. You cannot send somebody else to do therapy for, for you. You cannot delegate it. Sorry, you cannot. You have to be there. No, we don't
0: have time. Keep suffering. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Jeremy Clevenger Fitness. As a high-performing leader, you know that leadership isn't about telling people what to do. It's about leading by example. And for most people, the one area that they're lacking when it comes to leading by example is their health and fitness. By improving your health and fitness, every other area of your life improves. But how do you get and stay fit as a busy leader? Well, you do what you've always done. You hire the best person for the job. Don't struggle on your own. Put Jeremy Clevenger on your team. Jeremy will work with you to take your physique, mindset, nutritional habits, and more to the next level with his step-by-step all-inclusive coaching program. Now I've worked with Jeremy for the past year, and I'm in the best shape of my life. If you want to step up your game, reach out to Jeremy at apexperformancesystems.com to find out more and get your initial consultation scheduled with him today. This episode is brought to you by the Sasquatch Flag Company. The Sasquatch Flag Company is a family-owned business in New England that builds hand-carved American flags from seasoned white pine. Each flag is hand-built, and each star on the flag is hand-hammered and chiseled. No two flags are alike. They offer a variety of flag designs to honor the police, military, firefighters, dispatchers, and search and rescue personnel, to name a few. These stunning handmade flags look great in an office, a studio, the back porch, or above the fireplace mantle. They make the perfect gift for the veteran, first responder, or patriot in your life. Now, I love these flags, and I've been giving them as gifts for years, and I was a customer long before they became a sponsor of the show. I can't recommend them enough, so if you're looking for that perfect, uniquely American make gift to give away or if you want to treat yourself go to sasquatchflags.com and get your order in today in this methodology you have your guiding coalition right there it's your senior management team that sort of identified the problem right or well, say
1: that like i tell you another company Banco america on the spot they gave me one million contract for three years for three million dollars to change the bank and i change the bank totally change the bank I took Domino Pizza from 150 million to 4 billion. And in, in his book, The Pizza Tiger, he gives me credit to Adizus. Applied material, we took from 400 million to 15 billion. Look at my website. Thanks to Dr. Adidas methodology. A wonderful company, the one for Fiji Water, all of this. They went from 12 million to 4 billion, thanks to methodology. And it's in my website with the name of the president or well, the name of the company, so this is not hearsay. You know, somebody said, no, no, no. And the real results. I'm right now in Mexico working with a company, it, it started, we started the 50 million, today it's 15 billion in assets, in, in, in revenue, but the owner is worth 20 billion. Mm. And thanks to this methodology. Now, what is the secret, John? And that's what I want to explain to you. Change is here to stay. They've been here forever. See in the Big Bang. Everything is a system. A human being is a system, a family is a business, a company is a system, a country is a system, the globe is a system. Agree? Hmm. By definition, a system is composed of subsystems. Like in the business world, if the marketing subsystem, the sales subsystem, Production subsystem, financial subsystem, human resources subsystems, etc. And every subsystem is its own sub, 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 sub. When there is change, the subsystems do not change the synchronicity together. Some change faster than others. Marketing changes; they don't ah, change the prices, change this, do this. How long does it take to change the sales force? To retrain the sales force, to give them the dues, you know, takes a little bit longer. Takes a while, yeah. How long does it take to change the production system if you need to make a change? That's a lot of work, a lot of money, yeah. How long does it take to change the accounting information system? You should yeah. be long enough, right? Yeah. How long does it take to change people's culture and attitude? That's, that can be a long time, yeah. So because of that, whenever there is change, take it for granted. There is disintegration. The disintegration is manifested in what we call problems. All problems are manifestations of disintegration caused by change. You have a problem with your car. I'm telling you, something changed, something fell apart. You have a problem in your marriage, something changed, something fell apart. You have a problem in the country, something is changing, something is falling apart which means if change causes disintegration and disintegration is manifested in problems, how do we solve all problems? Stop change. You can't write. You can't. <laughs> that, by the way, some, some religions try that. Mm. If not, all the fanatic religions try to stop change. Not only the Muslims, fanatic Christians too, fanatic Jews too. They want to stop stop change because there is too much problems. They cannot. It's not going to work because you can stop to change yourself, you can stop changing your company, but the world continues. So there is no way you can stop the whole world. You cannot. You try, but you cannot. Some ideologies try to stop change, very conservative ideologies. So that is a utopian expectation that's not going to happen. So we have no choice but we have to learn how to manage change. And how do we? If all problems stem from disintegration, what is the solution? Integration. Mm -hmm. Bring it back together. Realign the subsystems. Marketing went too far. Production is behind all the cycle. Bring them together. You're constantly aligning the subsystems. Don't allow too big of a disintegration going to hurt you. It's going to bite you. So our job is to realign the companies all the time. Realign, 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 realign. And there's a whole methodology how to do that. We don't do it, they do it. Mm. Give them the tools, monitor how they do it. Monitor how they do it. At the end of the process, they even complain: why the hell did we pay you so much? We did it all. I said, <laughs> it was the whole trick. Yeah. That will take for you to do the work because then you take responsibility and you are proud for what you do, you know, and they really are, all the companies we work with eventually get a prize, a company of the year, the entrepreneur of the year, the best company to work for, you know, there is a reason why they're managed well.
0: So that is so- the thing. So the idea of integration, so it makes sense, right? The problem is the the disintegration creates problems, which which is a manifesta- manifestation of that. But then what does it mean to reintegrate? So explain, explain what that means or how, how it, it it looks practically. Sure. There are four variables
1: that you have to work with. You need to develop common vision and values. So if somebody doesn't share your vision, let him go. Somebody doesn't share your values, let him go. We have to be together. Where are we going? How do we gather? Values. Vision and values. After that, is organization structure correct? To me, it is the most important variable that companies ignore. The organization shots on a goddamn napkin during dinner, you know. Totally wrong. Structure. Why structure is so important? Because it tells you how the power of the company is distributed. Mm. And you're from the Navy. If one of the right engine is stronger than the left engine, you can tell which way the boat is going, right? <laughs> right. Well, we live this realigning the engines. For instance, in an aging company it becomes bureaucratic, slow moving. The power is in accounting and legal and 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 agile. Yeah. yeah. Okay? Legal legal and accounting and finance dominate. Mm. The company now why? Because the people in finance make more profits by cutting costs. Right. And sometimes they cut a foot off so the numbers look good. for the company cannot a bull. Yeah. Okay. So I need to remove the... In a growing company, go-go running around, administration is weak. They don't even listen to the financial guys. Don't bother us. We have too many opportunities. Now you have to strengthen the administrative structure. See, there must be balance between flexibility and controllability. Too much control, no good. Too much flexibility, no good. So look at the organization structure. And the power structure, and how do you realign the power structure by restructuring the company correctly? Mm-hmm. Structure the companies to be correctly. Example, never in a big company, I'm not talking about a startup, small company, have vice president for sales and marketing. Why? Sales is short term oriented, marketing is long term oriented. What wins? Short term, what does marketing do? Serving sales. I call them transvestites. They look like a woman. Take the pencil. Ah, it's a man. You know? They're not marketing. They're not doing marketing. They're doing sales right. support. Yeah. They're doing sales support. Never put R&D in production together or engineering in production together. They will end up doing maintenance. They're not going to do a new product, the development or new, new production engineering. So you have to split. So there's a whole theory behind it. People have to read my book or watch my videos. How do you structure the company correctly? How do you structure the company correctly? Structure means the power structure, the responsibility structure, the reward structure, the flow of information structure. It's a whole architectural design. And when you finish that, wow, the company is the line. So we have common vision values, the right organizational structure. Then you need disciplined decision-making process. Because mm. the entrepreneurial guy interrupts everybody, talks all the time, and all the others have to clap hands and says Bravo, what the fuck did he say? Okay. The administrative types don't say a word. They look like they have hemorrhoids, and they're always like this, you know, upset, and then after the meeting, say it was a bullshit meeting. They don't know what the fuck they're doing. There is no disciplined decision-making process. So we teach a disciplined decision-making process. What does it mean? There is no integration without mutual trust and respect. I like that. mutual trust and respect, which starts with how you run a meeting. For instance, people have to be on time. People that are late, they penalty that goes to philanthropy. Why? Because you make us all wait. You think you're more important than we are. What the, the hell is the respect here? You know, why do you think you are more important? Oh, I was on the call. We have calls too. Then we also end on time. Why? Because maybe we have something else to do. So there is a respect. We don't interrupt each other. We listen till the end. There's a whole protocol, how to run meetings. So they run on mutual trust and respect. Love and the number four, the variable number four, who do you hire to work for you? You want people that is that command and grant respect and trust. You don't want a leader that people don't trust, you know, from the military, right? You don't want your soldiers shooting the commander right from the back. You want people that go after me because we trust you. And when he says, let's go left, we respect you, we go left. You want commanders, you want leaders that command and grant trust and respect. And what do you do with an engineer genius that is indispensable? You cannot fire him or her, but he's an asshole. He doesn't work with people. He interrupts people, believes that he is God, but we need him. What do we do with him? You put him in a cage, and you treat him like a monkey. Anytime you need information, you give him a banana, get the information, but don't let him out in the corridor. He's not a leader. He's not. Manager. Period. What makes a good leader is not what you know; is what you are. Mm-hmm. It's better to hire somebody who is teaching to know than hire somebody who knows and teach him to be. So, if you have the right people, the right decision-making process, the right structure, which come on this in there we go. <laughs>
0: I, that is so good to hear. You know, of, of all these things, you know, you you talked about all the companies you've helped and all the growth that they've had. And what's interesting is you come back to some basic things like mutual trust and respect, and and that's powerful because those are great, those are great leadership principles. And I like the fact that you said take that engineering genius that you have and put him in the corner because he shouldn't be leading people or she should really give him a title chief
1: technology officer yeah. emperor of the third order i don't care give him a nice salary don't let him manage people
0: yeah absolutely this this is all really good i i think i mean obviously we're i think i want to encourage listeners to dive into uh, this particular book, Mastering Change, is going to cover a lot more, lot more detail that we cover here, plus the fact that you've got 28 other books or 27 other books in 36 languages. There's plenty of, of resource that you have within your organization. Uh, do online my website, because we have online videos, we
1: have tests to see the personality styles and if they match a job they do. We have a lot of training and a and lot of... Um, not consulting transformation, we go to a company and we help transform a company to tremendous success. I mean, you can see it, our testimonials. So it is books and videos and materials and tests and quite a lot. And we have it in ten countries offices in ten countries. So and our associates, we take them between almost three years to train them and certify them. So this is the profession. Right now we are opening a university in Israel with a BA and Master in this methodology called disease organizational therapy. So there is a profession here. This is not just another consultant who can speak fast and, you know, and and, and tell you how smart is. No, no, no. This is a profession. It's a profession with ethical standards, with certification criteria, uh,
0: and um, it takes a lot of time to train people to do it. Oh, I'm sure. Absolutely. Uh, Dr. Adizes. how can people find out more about your company and all the things you offer?
1: You know, if you give them on the... Or the a like in Adam, D like in David, I, Z like a Zebra, E like in Edward, S like in Sam. Adidas.com. a website, you will find everything, and I look forward people to join, especially I'm looking people to sign on my blog because I write a blog every Friday about management, insights about management, like this Friday, tomorrow I'm having a blog, What why how to know whether the company is managed well.
0: You know how? know. I'm interested to hear. I have a theory, but I'll, I'll, hear, I'll think to hear your answer.
1: Uh, you know, they're going to tell you, look at the balance sheet. Look at the profit and loss, too. I'll tell you what they look at. Are the people laughing?
0: Love it. I love it. I tell people, because I get the question, I teach uh, leadership courses in colleges, and I get the question often, how do I know if I'm a good leader? And I say, if everyone gets quiet when you walk up, you've got work to do. And it's a similar a similar answer. Interesting. Yeah. yeah by the way, same thing for a marriage.
1: What at uh, marriage. Uh. Don't laugh. They sit very seriously. They have a problem. But you see a marriage that is laughing, she's laughing, he's laughing. They have a problem. They laugh it. That's mm-hmm. a good marriage, man. Tell me. And the same thing with a guy. A guy who is all the time serious. He has hemorrhoids. He's all the time. Everything is a problem. You know what the hell? You want a guy that he says, well, let's do something about it. What do we do about it? You know, laughter. Uh-huh. With my blog, I say laughter and crying are the same thing. The two sides of the same coin. Yes. Because laughter, you laugh because you're scared. Look at every joke, there's an ingredient of thing that scares. That's why you're laughing. Right. Crying. So now the question is when you have a problem, do you laugh it off or do you cry? When you laugh it, it creates energy. When you cry, it depletes energy. So people that make subordinates cry without tears, but they cry, are bad managers. You want a manager that uplifts people.
0: And laughter is one sign. I love this. This this is fantastic, uh, listeners. I really do encourage you to check out all the resources. We'll put links in the show notes for all the resources. Uh, Doctor Jesus, this has been fantastic. I, I feel like we we just began to have a conversation, but there's so much here. And, and I really, for listeners, you need to dig into his resources, dig into the stuff that he's doing because it's it's fantastic. And and uh, he obviously five decades of experience here. So you
1: should not run because you're a military guy. I taught for the Israeli Defense College for all the generals of Israel. So this applies to the military as well. Absolutely. How do you build mutual trust and respect? Because if there is no mutual trust and respect, go home, man. We don't need you. Absolutely.
0: Thank you, Thank you very much. Thank you for coming on the show. We appreciate it, Joe. Sure. Send us a copy, please. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to The nature Back Podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us, from renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to The nature Back Podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Hi, I'm Vasa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women.